Hey, Panthers fans, it's Kelly Bardick here, host of the Carolina Line, the newest podcast on the Riot Network, where Kevin Donnelly and Al Wallace use their 23 years of NFL experience to take you inside the game, break it down, and even share some stories from their time on the gridiron. You know, I talk about the defensive line, the athletes of the defense, the big guys that can move, get after the quarterbacks. Oh, dude, it's all about the O-line. That's the real trench warfare going on out there. When those guys have a good day, there's nothing a D-line can do about it. I guess, Al, we're going to have some disagreements along the way. Let's get it. It's going to happen, but we both know that these two big groups of men are the ones that really win games for this football team. The big guys in the trenches. The big guys are where it's at, and they're right here with me. So be sure to subscribe to the Carolina Line on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your local podcasts. That's the Carolina Line on the Riot Network. Welcome to the Great British Drafting Show, an exclusive off-season series where we'll be taking a weekly look at the 2020 NFL Draft and how the Panthers might approach it. Uh, we are proud to be part of the Riot Network, which is powered by Ortho Carolina. That's all your Panthers podcast you could possibly want, all in one place. Uh, if you do enjoy, enjoy the show this week, uh, please do be sure to rate, review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, which just helps more Panthers fans being able to find and enjoy the show. My name's Ollie. Uh, I'm one of the leaders of the Royal Riot here in the UK, and I'll be your host right up towards the draft. Uh, but thankfully, once again, I am joined by none other than our draft guru, Vincent Richardson. How are you doing this week, mate? I am. I am all OK. Yeah, this another productive and useful week. Good stuff. Good stuff. So this week, speaking of uh, production, we're going to be looking at wide receivers. Yeah. Um and we i'm not going to get into too many puns don't worry but we've got a lot of ground to cover here <laughs> so um we we touched on it in the last episode briefly just to sort of look forward to this episode and, and look at the class and you know you alluded to that there's some serious depth yeah. um but i think it's probably a good idea if we start talking about the position as a whole as well you know i think everyone mm-hmm. knows that there's different types of wide receiver out there um you know you've got your speed guys you know you're sort of all-round complete receivers um, and your slot guys as well. But something you've touched on in uh, previous episodes is situational players. And I, I think you, you mentioned it specifically around the 2015 Panthers and, and the wide receiver core that we had then. How yeah. even one guy who's good at pretty much one thing can actually form a, a pretty good receiving group. Um, yeah. And, you know, if 2015 Panthers are anything to go by, it, you know, it can work pretty well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, this is something that um, uh, Carl Shanahan actually talked about, uh, I think, two or three years ago. I think it was two years ago when he first uh, took over the, the, the 49ers. And it's the idea that, that you can get a lot of value out of someone who is able, particularly for receivers, who are able to do one thing really, really well. Um, so, like, the, the obvious example of that is sort of the, the Ted Ginn from 2015, say, who didn't run a particularly complex route tree. Like, he, he was actually probably a better route runner than many other examples of this but his real value was that he could get really really vertical really really quickly could force safety help make it a nightmare for teams to match up in man and then he could also add some value as sort of you know if you ran him on drags and stuff he was a nightmare with ball in hand because he could just cover so much ground so quickly so you could you know and then if you're looking at 2015 sort of panthers group again you've got sort of say jericho cotry who was more of a possession type receiver who could kind of fill in these gaps um sort of underneath the defense was never going to sort of um you know consistently separate against high quality man in coverage but but could kind of offer you a lot of sort of stable underneath um production yeah philly brown who was kind of somewhere between sort of a gin and more and a cotchery in that he wasn't sort of a pure out and out deep guy but could get vertical and was also quite a nice and subtle route runner in some ways and then you had funches who was more of the red zone big body receiver and actually, for the Panthers, that 2015 Panthers, Greg Olson was the sort of the number one, you know, top receiver who who would work against man and would be the kind of the primary receiving option. So you you're able to create these systems where you you have a lot of complementary skill sets that all work together. And I think if you're if you're looking at how the Panthers are going to build through receiver, I think it's it's as much about finding people who can complement samuel and more as it is just getting the best possible people so i, I think it, it's 
style is as important as substance to a certain degree for, for the Panthers in particular in receiver. Yeah, I mean, you, you've mentioned uh, obviously two names that we, we've already got in and, and we'll certainly pick up on where the Panthers may add to the, the wide receiver group um, yeah. a little later on. But let's talk about some of the skill sets then that are needed yeah. for a wide receiver. And, and I'm kind of looking to Vincent here for an answer that's a bit more in-depth than be able to catch the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think for me, where I sort of, I'm aware that I differ a reasonable amount compared to some other people in terms of evaluation of receivers is that I think it, getting open is just so much more important than almost everything else. Um, and obviously that doesn't mean that other things aren't valuable, but if you aren't able to consistently separate, there's a ceiling on how much value you can add to a, to an offense. Obviously, you've got to be able to catch the ball. That That is kind of the prerequisite. But unless you are a massive outlier in one way or the other, most people catch the ball most competent receivers catch the ball somewhere within the margin of error for the most part and actually it's much better to have a guy who is two meters open and is slightly worse at catching the ball than the guy who can catch the ball a bit better but just struggles to separate at all against man coverage in particular so you know obviously a huge amount of production in the nfl is not against man coverage you know players are able to be very productive against zone but that's very you know if, if, if we start going back to sort of more sort of slightly questionable analytic terms like the idea of like wins above replacement the production you can have against zone for a large degree is very replaceable production and while some players are able to elevate that because they're able to 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 adjust better to gaps in zone and they're able to add things after the catch and those are valuable things and they do add value but if all of your production requires you to basically only be, if, if your production is tied to, to finding the holes in zone and not separating its man coverage you can get 90% of that production fairly easily in the NFL is the thing. Um, so actually the players who who really help an offense are those who can separate consistently against man coverage, whether that's vertically um, creating a deep threat or whether that's underneath uh, as, under, as sort of that generally underneath separation requires sort of route running technique and change of direction, all that kind of stuff. And obviously the very best receivers can just do everything. Um the things, the other things you can do to add value, I think players who can create receptions at the catch point, that is valuable. I think sometimes it's overvalued because it looks really spectacular, but it, it is a valuable skill. And, and there are certainly some players here who I'll talk about as so that being something they could they could add, um, you know, to a to a team. And also yards after the catch are important. Like we, we've said this before, yards after the catch are really useful. However, if that's the fundamental core of your game, that's not a great a great thing because it, it, if yards after the catch requires you to get the ball which means that unless your team is just going to throw you eight million screens you're kind of not really gonna be able to change the game that much even though you can add value as sort of a a, a sort of a, a secondary receiver shall we say but i mean obviously there are things like blocking as well that, that it's nice to see but generally receivers you, you can coach them to be at least competent blockers you just wouldn't see them put in the effort um but you know so there, there are there are lots of things that receivers can can do to add a little bit more value. But for me, and I think this is going to sort of colour everything I I talk about for the rest of the podcast, it, it really has to start with the ability to get open, which means getting off the line against press and creating as a route runner, whether that's vertically with speed, whether that's um, through the ability to maintain speed through 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 um, like vertical changes of direction, so that that sort of you know posts and corners and those kind of routes. And some other guys who don't have that are still able to separate just because through good footwork, understanding of leverage and manipulation of defenders at the route heads, where you're not sort of running away from a defender, but you're creating that moment of separation to create the reception. So that, there are a range of different ways receivers can create separation. But if, if they're not really creating separation, it's hard to put them in that top tier of receiver. OK, so let's put a bit, bit of context around that. then. if we think about the Panthers, I guess yeah. we could probably go back a or two here because <laughs> just to make sure we've got a bigger sample size but yeah to put a bit of concept like if you talk about some of these skill sets that you've just mentioned so mm -hmm. you know creating separation for example who would be a good or a bad example of that yards uh, after the caps i think you know dj moore is someone who's done pretty well in that yeah um but you know where where perhaps is he a bit weaker or you know if we had a quick look at the, the team and put a bit of context around that that'd be useful so i think Fortunately, the Panthers, I think both DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel are very good in this regard. I think that that's why it's it, it's kind of, you know, I think they're, they're actually genuinely legitimately good receivers rather than just people who've been able to chuck up loads of production in bad, bad offenses. Um, I think Samuel offers more of a pure vertical threat, um, but he is able 
not dissimilarly to the way Ted Gidden did, though I think Samuel is a little bit better in this regard, but he's able to use that vertical threat to then create separation underneath, that he he, he uses his deep speed well to then generate leverage um, on sort of underneath routes, um, and, you know, again, is a threat on things like crossing routes and um, in-breaking, you know, he, he is a... a very good, but maybe not a mate, no, you know, elite, elite route runner. But he is a very good route runner, and he can offer a vertical threat. He's got good hands. I think the biggest concern I have with Samuel is that he's not got the best hands. There are some receptions that he probably leaves on the field because his hands aren't. He isn't always great. He tends to body catch things a little bit. So that would be my sort of if I was criticizing Samuel, that'd be the biggest concern I have with him. That if you're throwing fades, he's not someone that's going to sue at all. Um, DJ Moore is a really interesting receiver because he, and I'll talk about him a little bit more through a comparison with someone else actually, but when he came out, his best routes were just almost uncoverable, just exceptional quickness, ability to maintain momentum through routes, fantastic separation. Um, And for him, it's more about the consistency and and going full speed on every route to really maximise the impact of that. I don't think he's always the best at creating separation at the head of routes. I don't think that's... He's not a great sort of underneath um, working leverage against off man type receiver, but that's not what his game is. His game is working as an intermediate and deep um, receiver and also yards off the catch obviously is nice, but he's actually a really nice route runner um, against uh, man coverage further down the field. Uh, and I think that's, you know, that's those two are the, the hardest skill sets to replicate and the Panthers have them already. So it's about finding players who can replicate some of that potentially, but also, offer different skill sets so so i think if you're looking at where where the panthers need help they need some size in the red zone and not just at like physical size but but the ability to players who can create receptions on you know fades it's it's about the ability to create at the, at the catch point rather than your route running or anything um and also players who can offer more of like a possession type underneath route runner to to allow more and samuel to work further down the field because you know yes dj moore can run a, a, a sort of uh, a five yard out route against zone and it's pretty good but a lot of receivers can do that um and actually what you want him to do is to work further down the field and let other receivers work against zone and uh, against sort of off man and be more of those possession type receivers and allow those the, the samuel and moore to be more of more effective down the field where they're really at their best good stuff well we'll, we'll touch on the panthers no more um at the end and, and no doubt th- throughout as well um yeah. We've got on a hell of a lot of ground to cover, so yeah. <laughs> let's start talking about the class. And, and like I said, we've already touched on the fact that there's there's some serious depth here. Yes. But just to just on ex, to expand on that a little bit, you know, just how good is this wide receiver class? I think it's very very good. It's the it's the the deepest receiver class I can I can remember, and it is good at the top. I don't think it's as good at the top as some other classes i think if you look at the mike evans um alan robinson uh amar um odell beckham draft i think that was stronger at the top shall we say um but the the depth of this 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 class is just ridiculous Uh, you know if you're looking at receivers who are sort of like in the 10 to 20 range on this board they they just you don't get players in the 10 to 20 range on receiver boards in any other year that I can think of that, you know, that there are going to be like good players who would normally be going the second round will be going in the late third or the fourth, I think in this round. And unless people just draft receiver nearly constantly for the first 50 picks, like there are going to be like normal day two receivers who end up probably quite far into day three this year. And I think that's, that's where this class is just completely ridiculous. Cool. Well, let's, let's dive into it then. Um, yeah. Like I said, we've got an awful lot of ground to cover, so we're going to split this out by some sort of categories. Yeah. Um, and I guess the good place to start is is the top guys. Yes. Um. So who's your who's your number one and two effectively? So my number one is Jerry Judy, which I don't think should be hugely shocking given how how highly he's regarded in the NFL. Um. I don't think he is quite on the very uppest. Like if, if you're saying that the top of this receiver class isn't quite as, you know, he's, I don't think he's quite as good as say an Amari Cooper or Odell Beckham were coming out. Um, but he is really, really good. Uh, he's, he, there are things he's not great at and he's not like this complete do everything receiver, but what he does well is just so immensely valuable that, that, that it's hard. You know, 
he, if you're talking about sort of the Panthers and from a pure value point of view, I think you could make a reasonable argument that he's going to be the best player on the board still at seven. Um, not necessarily the player the Panthers should take, but just he is in that kind of very, very top tier category in this draft. Um, I think the thing that impresses me most about him is just his ability to carry speed through through changes of direction. Like he's not a quick, twitchy kind of underneath separation guy at all. I think that's something that he needs to work on. Um, but his ability to to go at full speed and change direction radically. You know, you watch people just can't even begin to hang with him on through routes, and that is, you know, that, that allows you to create really serious separation in the intermediate area and deep areas of the field, similar to what DJ Moore can do. Um, but I think where where Judy is also really impressive is the way he manipulates leverage by varying his speed. That he can, he's he's not necessarily the quickest at sort of like two steps or three steps here or there, but his ability to 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 go from like fast to medium to very fast and and just manipulate that force defenders to change their footwork and that he can gear up and down faster than they can is is really impressive. Um, I, I think he's he has a chance to be legitimately one of the very best receivers in the nfl if he maximizes his value um and can also add value um after the catch and he's you know got very good hands and you know adds some value in terms of contesting at the catch point um i think if you're looking at areas where he can improve i you know he did play predominantly in the slot at alabama and you know he his ability to, to get off the line against press if you're going to play him outside is something that's hard to judge and something i'd have a little bit of concern over um however Unless he is completely catastrophic in this regard, you know Odell Beckham is a really good example of someone who is able to be really effective despite not being great against press. So if his biggest flaw is that he's kind of mediocre against press, but he still has this ability to get vertical and still has the, this ability to maintain momentum, he's still going to be an absolute nightmare to cover because you can you can get him you can release get him released into routes in in more intelligent ways if you really want to as a route runner and you can you know. Sometimes you've seen like the, the Giants used to particularly move move Odell into the slot to try and create um, leverage advantages off the line and that kind of stuff. So, you know, it, it, you can continue to make him a major part of the offense, even if he doesn't fix that. Um, I think probably which what might limit him more is that his his ability to to like laterally change direction isn't amazing. Like he's very much like you look at him physically, he goes in a straight line very well and changes direction sort of while still predominantly going forward really well. But his ability to sort of actually twist his hips and change direction significantly, that isn't really the strength of his game. And I think if you, you know, the combine obviously gone fairly recently, I think his, he, some people have pulled up his not great agility drills. And I think that is kind of seen on tape. His strength isn't those kind of quick change of directions underneath. You know, uh, that isn't where his game's going to be. But what he does well is just so valuable that it's hard not to, to really like him as a prospect. Okay, so we don't usually do this, but I guess I don't think I've heard you be quite so glowing about a player in the previous episodes. Where, where do you think he's going? Like, do you think he's still going to be there at seven? I think he'll still be there at seven. I just think because of the, the players um, ahead of him and the teams ahead of him and the fact that so many teams need quarterbacks and stuff. I think where I've seen him mocked a fair amount is to Las Vegas at 12, um, partly because the teams above him because the class is so deep, it's hard to justify taking a receiver in the top 10 when you can get a receiver who's 70% as good in the second round, say. Like, the drop-off between other position classes for between sort of 10 and 35 is going to be much bigger than it is a receiver. So I think he will likely drop just because the rest of the class is so strong that it's hard to justify taking him right at the very top of the class. But I think he's probably going to go somewhere between... I wouldn't be shocked if he went in the top 10, but I think he's probably more of the early teens kind of range. Um, yeah, and Las Vegas has been sort of strongly linked with him as well. It almost seems unfair to be at the top of a really strong class and go later because of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a bit. But I think, I mean, I, I think it, it's one of those things where, like, obviously we know, and we'll talk about this a bit more later, but we know the Panthers are probably going to use a lot of receivers this year just because of the way Joe Brady operates. And I don't think it's completely ridiculous to say that you could justify taking a receiver at seven. However, given this class, I think he it would be hard for the Panthers to say that receiver is going to add the kind of value that other positions might compared to what you can get around later. So although I think he's fantastic, I would be a little bit surprised if he ends up with the Panthers. OK, so you've got Brian Edwards behind him. Yes. Um, how far behind is he? I mean, you've got him in your top two, so I'm guessing not very. He's he, Yeah, he, it's quite hard because they're very different players. So although I think Edwards is really good, whereas I think Judy's best comp is maybe an Odell. I don't think he's quite as good as Odell was coming out. I, I think Odell is a better player. 
Um, but Judy, it, that is more of like stylistically the comp. Whereas I think Brian Edwards is the best comp I can think of for him is sort of an Alan Robinson. So someone who's not necessarily going to be creating these super long sort of 50 yard receptions down the field necessarily, but he gets off the line so incredibly well. His underneath route running is excellent and shows the ability to work that further down the field, although this past year, South Carolina weren't throwing the ball deep a huge amount. But yeah, his his ability to consistently create underneath separation, uh, he adds a lot of value at the catch point. He's good after the catch. I think he he played it looked like he played a bit heavier in 2019 and 2018. I think it'd be nice to see him lose a little bit of that weight and get back to more sort of the 2018 kind of weight. Um, but he his yeah he, he's just consist he's just always open underneath and that's really valuable and also adds value after the catch and at the catch point and I I, I think he can come in right away. Whereas Judy maybe needs a bit more work. I think Edwards doesn't have the ceiling that Judy does, but I think he can come in right away and be a number one receiver for a team um, and be a pretty good one as well. Um, I, I think he's just, you know, Devo Samuel came out of South Carolina a year ago and he was one of the top two or three receivers in that class and he was really quite good for San Francisco. Brian Edwards is, I think, in almost every regard, a better receiver than Devo Samuel was coming out. And that's, that's high praise because I really like Devo Samuel, but Brian Edwards is just not... He isn't like the biggest burner, and it's a shame that he got hurt before the combine because he didn't get the chance to run. So we, you don't get a test of quite how fast he is, because I think for him, it, you know, whether he, if he runs four four five, then that's you know, I think for me that means that puts him right in the very top tier of receivers. Whereas if he runs a four five five, it's not an issue because that's not the strength of his game. Even if he ran like a four six five, I, I wouldn't lose my mind because again, the, the vertical speed isn't what you like about his game, but where he is between 4.65 and 4.45 could really have changed his stock massively, I think, from a perception point of view. But I think, yeah, he's he, there are things he can't do athletically. Like, he's not a great downfield. He's not you know, he's not a bad downfield receiver, but he's not going to keep vertically separating against cornerbacks. But he's just open underneath all the time, and not, like, three or four yards down the field. But, you know, he's open on each sort of short to intermediate routes. And particularly when you get to, like, third-down situations, players you can go to and who can bail you out in sort of third and seven third and eight those are those are really useful players and he is he is definitely in that sort of upper tier of those possession like elite possession receiver type guys cool so that's your your top two um yeah you've named the elite development guys yes before we get into who they are we've talked about developmental players but when you say elite, yeah, I know what the word means, but that's not what we're getting at. But what separates these as developmental options, perhaps from the the very good developmental options? Okay, so I think for both these guys, probably particularly for the first one, I think DJ Moore. When I talked about him earlier, I think he's a kind of guy to bring into this conversation because I think this is the tier where DJ Moore was as a prospect coming out, where the the best snaps are fantastic you see you know you kind of everything you'd probably want to see in a receiver you do see at some point in them you just don't see it consistently and you don't see it um in a way that it, they, they clearly need some development they've got the physical talent and they show the ability to use the physical talent they just don't do it consistently enough that you'd be sort of happy going like yeah they're 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 you know going to be number one receivers it's all going to be great so I think that, so that just say who I'm talking about, it's Jalen Rieger and Brandon Ayuk um, from TCU and Arizona State, respectively. And I think so, like with Moore, neither of them are coming out of the biggest schools and both of them played in offenses that were somewhat limited by their quarterbacks and the talent around them. So they, they weren't sort of, whereas Judy could just go out and separate vertically because he, you know, he had a good quarterback who would find him 40 yards down the field consistently. Um Rieger and Ayuk weren't, uh, yeah, they, they, they were they were asked to be sort of more like, you know, like DJ Moore was a lot of Maryland, just get five yards down the field, we'll get you the ball and we'll use your athleticism off the catch because actually we can't trust our quarterback, we'll hit you 35 yards down the field. Um, and so I think they, they do, they will need some development and there's a chance they take a little bit longer in year one. But both players, you know, Ayuk is probably slightly more developed than Rieger, but Rieger I think has a higher ceiling, so it's kind of, interviews will be important for these guys because of the development value but 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 you know it's a little bit also about ceiling versus floor as well between the two of them but they both get off the line well um both of them show a, a great ability to to change direction and to maintain momentum through changes of direction both have really good hands i mean Riga in particular creates you know is, is actually for a player of his size is really good at the catch point a bit like Moore is both are good after the catch both have the vertical speed to threaten vertically you know they they 
if it's one it, yeah again like dj moore if if you if you said that in three years time they're going to be the best two receivers out of this draft it would be hard to tell you that you're an idiot even if balance of probability at least you know over the number of development guys we'll talk about they're not all going to work out for various reasons but the the ceiling for both Riga and Ayuk is really high um but also they show enough that you think that's like that that's actually a realistic attainment without kind of completely rebuilding them as prospects that that they're they're maybe a year away from being you know as we saw with DJ Moore there was sort of a year where it took him a while to adjust and then was much better in year two they're more in that kind of category of developmental guys than the people who it's like maybe three years in you start seeing them really hit their stride okay so um, while we're on the subject of, of developmental guys these are your elite then you've got three guys in the the very good category yes. um, yeah in, um Oh, wow, there's some pronunciations here. I'll leave these ones to you, I think, Vincent. <laughs> okay, so I've got uh, <laughs> LaVisca Chenault, uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden, and T. Higgins. I, I would point out that these aren't necessarily my next three best receivers, but I think once we after these top four, who I think are my, those are my top four receivers, I, the guys I'm talking about less now are not really in order as much as they just were talking about them in terms of the style of receivers they are. So these aren't my next three best receivers. They're just the three guys who fall into this sort of more developmental category just to tear down. Um for me, Chenault is an interesting one because I think he he offers a similar thing to Riga and Ayuk. Um, I think he's a bit bigger receiver, but again, there are some really nice reps, but there's not the consistency. I think the the concern I would have for him is that there are little bits where he looks quite clunky at times, changing direction laterally. And whereas um, Judy has like an insane ability to change direction at speed to make up for that and can do other things. Uh, Chanel, I don't think the the best case scenario is quite as high as it is with Riga and I, Riga and Ayuk, and I think there's probably a similar amount of work to do. So I think he's kind of a little bit below that for me. Um, but again, good vertical speed, good hands, good after the catch. You know, has the ability to create separation through changes of momentum, change of direction with while well, maintaining momentum. Um, good at the catch point, probably you know maybe a bit more so than Ayuk, but maybe not quite as good so as Riga. But I think he's He's probably the the closest to those two in terms of value, but I think he again, I don't think his ceiling is quite as high, and I think there's a similar amount of work to do. So I think I have him a little bit below those two. Um, Gandhi Golden is the really interesting one because so he's coming out of Liberty, so it's obviously a very small school, and so it's very easy to rationalise why he might be quite underdeveloped. I and mean, again, like he's six four two twenty. I think the guy he sort of reminds me a bit of on tape is Cortland Sutton, um, who went to the Broncos from SMU. I think Gandhi Golden, I think, is possibly a little bit further along than Sutton was coming out in that uh, I think he shows some really nice flashes as route as a route runner, but he ran very few routes at Liberty. Like he was not running a full route tree at all. Um, and and it, it's flashes of nice route running rather than sort of seeing him put everything together every now and then as you do with sort of Riga and Ayuk. So I think he's, he's probably a bigger gamble than the, he's probably the biggest gamble of the developmental guys, because I think there is a chance that, that, that he doesn't he, there's more for him to develop but when you've got a 6'4 220 receiver who can who can dominate at the catch point in the way he can um and who shows these flashes of kind of nice really nice change of direction and quickness and and this ability to to, to add value after the catch as well um he, he flashes really nice like separation skills rather than really actually putting them as the, the fully developed thing. But when he does flash, it's really impressive. So I think he's more of the complete risk. Um, T Higgins is an interesting one. I think there's there's a lot to like with him on tape. And I think he is, you know, in any other draft class, he'd be talked about as a top five receiver, probably. Um, I don't think he's quite that good. Um, I don't think his change of direction at speed is is in the same tier as Gandy Golden and Chenault. Um, but and again didn't run the fullest route tree um but there are some nice flashes as a route runner i think he's probably better than than Gad golden chanel at, at um generating separation at the route head um and he's i think he's actually probably the best of the three against press um but you know again he's good you know a bit taller receiver good in the air flashes some really nice things as a route runner i think there's again a reasonable amount of work to do but 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 there's also a lot of reasons to be optimistic. It's not just purely athletic potential that you're drafting him on. Um, so I think, yeah, those three guys maybe for the Panthers might make some sense because, but, but I th- yeah, th- all three of them, I think can be 
really good receivers, but I think they all they all require a fair amount of work and probably aren't going to be immediate impact guys. Cool. Okay, so that's the developmental um, options, um, mm. specifically developmental options, covered off. Um, the next category you want to talk about is the vertical specialist, and we, we touched on this earlier when you were talking about Ted Ginn and, and, and the mm. impact that that have on a team. I, I guess how does that impact, you know, the the defense and where that sets up when you've got a guy like that on the field? I mean, it is it is really massively impactful because so if you've got someone who you know can run past any defender, there there are only really three ways of defending that. One is to double them with someone covering them underneath and someone covering them over the top, which obviously is advantageous because then they're using two defenders to cover one receiver. One is to just play zone and just have someone over the top. But again, if you're playing zone all the time, it, it's hard to prevent consistent receptions against zone if teams know you're going to just keep playing zone. So that's one other way you can have a massive impact. And the other way to defend it is just to be able to get pressure and get to the quarterback before they get deep. And actually, if that's what defenses rely on, then you'll you'll you know you'll take your chances on that basically, particularly with a guy with sort of really elite speed. So that, you know, they, they, they force defences to adapt. And if they don't adapt, you can punish them and punish them in a really significant way. Um, obviously, you need a quarterback who can take advantage of that. So, so some if you're playing with a sort of a weaker armed quarterback, it's harder to get that kind of value out of them. But but if you've got a quarterback who can make the deep, you know, hit the deep ball consistently, it, it just it forces the defence to structurally adjust to take them away. And that then creates opportunities for everyone else underneath. OK, so... Um... Falling into this category, you've got um, Henry Ruggs and KJ yep. Ham as your two vertical guys. So these are yes. pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ruggs is seriously, seriously quick. I mean, ha- so I think if you just want pure speed, I think you can't do better than Henry Ruggs in this class. I mean, he, he just, you know, on tape, it's clear the, the, the quickness. He not just is very fast when he's running, he gets up to speed really quickly as well. You know, if, if Alabama didn't necessarily have the best offense to take advantage of this all the time, and they probably took advantage of his speed as much after the catch as they did, just him getting vertical. But if, if you've got a big arm quarterback, he's going to cause absolute nightmares, particularly if you work him out of the slot and you can you can attack all three thirds of the field really easily, uh, deep thirds of the field, that is. Um, you know, he, he's going to cause absolute nightmares for defenses. I think the reason why I don't have him in the very top tiers is I think it would be nicer to see him add some other bits to his game that I don't, I don't think are quite there at the moment. Um, I, I think his route running, there are flashes of him using his speed nicely as a route runner. I just don't think there are enough of them. Um, and maybe that's something that a team could probe in workouts and sort of think, actually, no, we think this guy can be the, the, the complete deal. Um, and I think certainly the advantage he has over over Hamler is that I think Ruggs is about six foot. I, don't, I haven't checked his exact measurements, but he's around six foot, whereas Hamler is like five nine. So so Hamler's value is all, you know, realistically is going to have to play from the slot. Um, I think Ruggs can has the potential to be more of a complete receiver. I just think for him to get, you know, at the moment what he's offering is just sheer vertical speed. Um, and somebody off the catch and pretty, you know, he, had, you know, he has got good hands and stuff and he's not, you know, bad. You know, he's pretty good against press and, you know, adds some other value and stuff. But, but I think he needs more development, excuse me, more development as a route runner than someone like um, uh, a Riga or Ayuk do who offer similar, you know, not quite as good vertical speed, but a similar kind of vertical presence. Um, Hamler is so, interesting. No, Sorry, ask yeah. quickly, actually, just something you mentioned there that I've definitely heard before and it, I kind of always just, kind of sniggered at it a little bit and just thought what the bloody hell are they talking about people talk about speed and quickness yeah it's 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 <laughs> I, I, I think it's an americanism if i'm honest but um but basically so speed is how fast you are when you're running in like when how fast you go whereas quickness is how it's like acceleration we probably call it I, 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 it's a term i've picked up but yeah quickness is acceleration or at least that's the way i use quickness anyway <laughs> i've always kind of thought oh these sound like the same thing but <laughs> yeah yeah no it, it, it yeah it, it's i think it's an americanism apologies if i'm just horribly misusing this this term that doesn't really exist in english english um well, at least but, knows what you mean now so they can they can adapt yeah <laughs> yes yeah if you've been wondering what i've been talking about when i say quickness i mean acceleration and it's again it's, it's words you sort of subconsciously pick up and start using um but yes hamler is is a little bit 
more limited in that I don't think he's ever going to be something other than just a speed guy who can maybe do a bit of shifty route running underneath. Like he's, you know, he's not great against press and I don't think he's ever going to be great against more physical defenders. He's never going to be great at the catch point. Um, you know, he's pretty good after the catch, but, um, you know, he's, he's, he is effectively a vertical threat who can do a few other things. Um, but he is really quick and he does, he does actually probably flash more as a route runner than rugs potentially certainly flashes manipulating his speed to create underneath separation more than rugs does. Um, the rug shows some more like flashes of more advanced route running stuff. Um, but I think, so I personally, just for clarity, I rugs, I think is the better prospect. I would take rugs over, over Hamler. Um, but I think they're, they're both in this kind of category where their short term values and their ability to threaten vertically, and they can maybe develop more skills over time. I mean, like Ted Ginn basically did that as well. Like Ted Ginn improved significantly as a route runner over his career. And started out just being really fast and then turned into someone who was really fast but could also run some routes. Um, so, you know, there is, it's not like this is what they're going to be for the rest of time. But they're, 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 the biggest way they can make the most impact in the short term is just by running go routes, posts and, and, and deep outs. Like they're, they're not they're not going to be, you know, asked to run a whole, you know, and also adding yards after the catch as well, obviously, which is the flip side of that. But 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 they're not going to be sort of these intermediate separation guys, I don't think, right away. Though I think Ruggs has some chance to be that with time. I just think that you need to see more in tape, on tape to be really enthusiastic about that. Okay, so let's um, have a chat about uh, another specialist position. Um, yeah. And just as a reminder to everyone, we're not so much going down the list in, in, in the order that the Vince is saying these players are drafted and it is more positionally... Yeah where the similarities lie. Yeah, it's more um, like grouping by style rather than by substance. <laughs> yeah, before we get on the tweet saying, why are you taking this guy so low? Oh. <laughs> so um, the next position was the, the slot position. Yeah. Uh, got uh, Van Jefferson and Chris Fink. For a minute, I thought it said Finkel, and I thought it was a bit Ace Ventura for us. But <laughs> no, Chris, Chris Fink. Um, so I think these are not just slot receivers, but specifically guys who can create separation out of the you know, sort of possession type receivers. Not guys who are going to necessarily get vertical that much, but but can work the sort of intermediate area in the slot. I think if you're looking for sort of comparisons, I think sort of Adam Humphreys and Tyler Boyd maybe are more this kind of style. Maybe sort of Ryan Switzer and that kind of stuff. But these kind of you know. Um, not necessarily small receivers, but guys who who aren't aren't going to separate vertically and aren't necessarily the best outside. Not necessarily amazing against press or or going to create much of the catch point, but a, a, a really nice route runners who can create underneath an intermediate separation. Um, I think so. Van Jefferson for me is a really interesting option, particularly for the Panthers. So he's actually a bigger guy in terms of the slot. I think he's sort of you know six one six two, um, and he isn't you know going to get vertical that much i mean though he can run some some vertical routes um but he, his ability to manipulate leverage underneath and to create underneath separation is really really encouraging and i think how how um and we'll get onto this a little more more in a minute but how joe brady used um justin jefferson um at lsu i think van jefferson would be in a perfect fit for that kind of slot possession role or at least the way that justin jefferson was used a reasonable amount of the time shall we say um, so I, I don't think these are guys who are going to go super high because I don't think their ceiling is, you know, people wouldn't trade like a first round pick for for Tyler Boyd or, or Adam Humphreys, but they are valuable pieces of an offense. And if you're looking to find players who can fit in with Samuel and Moore and complement what they do, I think Jefferson and Fink are interesting options in that regard because they're both quite shifty underneath route runners who who are at their best when they're manipulating leverage and their quickness and agility is more impressive than their actual straight line speed. You know, uh, I'm forgetting his name, but the guy who was really good. This is the guy the Patriots got out of um, uh, NC State last year. What are you on his name? But but you know players who necessarily you know aren't going to be the stars of an offense, but just can 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 offer a safety blanket inside for a quarterback, and are just really you know if they're the fourth best receiver on a team, and defenses aren't focusing on them, they can they can cause nightmares working against zone, particularly in sort of you know manipulating sort of third or fourth cornerbacks um, uh, in man coverage. So yeah, I think I think they'd both be really interesting players, and I think would would fit with some of the stuff that Joe Brady seemed to want to do at LSU. I think they'd both be good fits with that as well. So I, I think they're for Panthers fans in particular. I think Van Jefferson is a really interesting player to keep an eye on. Cool. Okay. Um, so the next category that he had was possession guys. Yeah. So, so specifically so guys. 
Sorry, sorry. <laughs> so guys, guys specifically, so sort of in comparison to the two guys talked about before, these are guys who I think would be a more sort of outside possession guys. So people who are, who are uh, 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 their focus is more about their ability to work off press and to create that intermediate separation than rather rather than working in the slot. Say. Yeah. So the the names you've got here, and yeah, we've got quite a few Johnsons coming up. So just got to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> We don't confuse ourselves or, or anyone else. Uh, you've got Juwan Johnson, Cody White and Tyler Johnson. Yes. Yeah. And they're all sort of slightly bigger receivers, which is part of the uh, part of what, what generally the, the body type of possession receivers is. But they're all guys who work off press quite well. Um, they they manipulate leverage well. Again, they, they, they're really valuable on things like slants and uh, sort of intermediate um crosses and sort of uh you know uh, intermediate outs and that kind of stuff where, where they're not kind of um they're not going to be guys who really threaten down the field very much i think jeff you know um joan johnson can offer probably more than the others in that regard um and that's why i think for me he's the the best of that category um but 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 they're guys who kind of their value is in they're probably again offering more of that safety blanket to allow you know if you're looking at what we talked about earlier with the panthers like they could offer more of like an outside option and to offer more of a sort of a short and intermediate security blanket and have some value particularly against sort of man um that allows other players to, to fulfill different roles so i think they're they're probably not ever going to be the star of offenses they're not and we're now sort of talking more on the day two category very much of late day two type players um but but they can offer you know, Brian Edwards is an example of this sort of category at its very best. These guys are probably more in the rotation kind of caliber, but a similar kind of style where they get off the line quite well. They they, they can manipulate leverage and, and, and create separation as route runners um, and, and are pretty good at the catch point, though they're never going to sort of wow anyone. Um, they're never going to be sort of thousand yard receivers in all likelihood, but but they can be they can be a really useful sort of part of a, a more sort of diverse passing attack. Is more of a sort of a third down option, like a Jarius Wright kind of thing. Is that what you're? Yeah, thinking? yeah, probably more of like an yeah. So I think I think sort of Van Jefferson and Fink are more of like the Jarius Wright sort of slot option, but they're more sort of slightly bigger receivers who play outside. It's it's quite hard to think of like the, the issue is, is the players who are really good at it tend to then develop into a, the upper echelon. So you're talking about like the the Chris Godwins and the Keenan Allens and stuff, but they're just you know those guys are in a different tier. But but these are sort of you know the poor man's Keenan Allen, the poor man's Chris Godwin, the poor man's Alan Robinson kind of thing. Um, so they're not going to be the number one receivers in the way those guys are, but could offer a similar style as more of like a three or four receiver. If you know DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel would be your one and two, but they offer something different to to what you know say Alan Robinson does. But you could have someone who offers more. Whereas where say you could have Alan Robinson as your number one receiver and have more of a vertical guy as your your slot third receiver. Whereas what the Panthers could actually do or similar teams could have more of like a vertical receiver as your one or two receiver and then have more of like a possession type guy as the third or fourth receiver. So it's, it's you've got similar roles, just in different orders kind of thing. Yeah. OK, so next up, you've got um, what you've called the, the really interesting three. Now, uh, yeah. again, just to reiterate, we are grouping these, but but actually looking at your board, you've got a couple of guys here a little bit lower yes. than perhaps. Everyone else does. Uh, specifically, um, C.D. Lamb and, and Denzel Mims. But yeah, and, and Justin Jefferson as well. I think a little bit. Um, yeah. We mentioned a little bit already. Um, so yeah, there's a reason why I haven't mentioned these three guys yet. And uh, that's not the, they're wrong. Some of the people have already mentioned. I have got these guys ahead of some of them already on the board. That, that it's not that I think these guys are bad receivers. I just don't have them in the very top tier that some other people do. Um, and, and I can kind of see why people like the different bits of them and i think that I, I have them a bit lower for, for different reasons i think the first two i talk about actually are denzel mims and justin jefferson because i think those are both guys who whereas i talked about like gandy gordon and, and chanel being guys who you, you you like the ceiling and you see flashes of what they can become but you want them to develop more i think mims and and justin jefferson are more guys where you know what their absolute ceiling is and it's really appealing but there's probably quite a lot of work needed to get there and for different reasons. So I think Mims, Mims tested off the charts in the combine, and his his ceiling is really high, but I think he needs quite a lot of work as as a route runner. Um, and it's not that he was bad, but he wasn't really pushed as a route runner at Baylor. They they kept things relatively simple for him. Um, and he also has some what I can describe as bad habits that I think you're going to have to really work out of him. Like the one thing that really stuck out with with Mims on tape is that he uses his hands as a route runner 
way too much. And whilst the NFL is definitely slanted towards the offense in this regard, he's going to get called for a lot of OPI if he plays like he did in college at times because he's just shoving guys out of the way. And, you, you know, you, you can't do that. Um, he does flash the change of direction to be a good round runner. It's not like someone who's just fast and big and therefore they're like, well, it will be all right. Um, but it's just that he's at the moment, it's just you're drafting Mims on core traits that there are. I, I understand people say at the senior bowl he showed flashes, but I think that the 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 quality of corner he was playing at the senior bowl is nowhere near what he was playing in in the NFL. And even then, he was still using his hands way too much. I think he gets off the line well. Don't me wrong. I think his press that he showed at the senior bowl was 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 genuinely good. But I think as a route runner at the moment, he's 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 much more of a traits guy than he is actually a, a finished product. And whilst his absolute ceiling is really really high, there are lots of guys who have really good traits who just you know. Kevin White went, what, seventh overall, eighth overall to the Bears and did absolutely nothing because he was never t- able to turn those traits into I- into actual production. And again, I'm not saying Mims is going to be that because there are also examples of like DK Metcalf was a traits guy and he's really good because he has developed. But I think where my concern with Mims is compared to the NFL as a whole maybe is that I think you do have to look at the history and say that there are probably a lot of players with Mims's talent who haven't worked out as well as lots who have. So I think I'm just a little bit more cautious in that. I think there is probably more like absolute bust potential with him than I think there is with some of the guys I have higher up. Um, I think Jefferson is a bit similar though. They're also different in, I think, so the way Jeff Jefferson was used like, like a possession receiver a lot at TEDSU, he was used down the field as well, but he, a lot of his like the reason why he has an insane number of receptions is that he was used as like a possession guy, just taking a lot of check downs. And that's just not what he's really going to be good at, at the NFL. Like his value is much more about his speed and his, excuse me, his change of direction. And, and he is probably stylistically best suited to being more of a, more of like a Curtis Samuel type receiver, potentially maybe not, quite as quick but but sort of more of like a vertical guy who can then use his speed to create separations uh, dj uh chark would be a, a reasonable comparison stylistically i think in terms of what he can become um but just that was not how he was used at lsu and i think some people are looking at looking at how he was used and looking at his testing and thinking you can somehow combine them into this ultimate complete receiver and i think actually what it is is that he's if you want to use him like he was used at lsu then he's fine and if you want to use him based on what he can become then that's also fine, but it's not like the two add together into this complete receiver because you know, how, what he can become did not really improve what he was at L- how he was used a lot of time at LSU and how he was used a lot of time at LSU. I don't think is really adding value to what he can become as an NFL receiver. I think they're almost two completely different things of how he was used at LSU and how he needs to be used to get the most of his value. And I think you 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 either have to accept that you're going to limit his ceiling and play him like he was at LSU. Or you treat him as more of a pure developmental type guy, in which case, again, you're in the same dental mend conversation where you're just taking a, a fairly significant risk about how much you're going to have to develop him. So I think both of those guys, I think, are more in different ways, but they're both probably quite raw compared to to their their absolute ceiling. And I think in a talent in a, in a draft class that is that is so talented, that's going to drop you down the boards. Whereas I think in say last year's class, they would have been both been top ten receivers. There's just so much more talent in this class that they're not. They're not quite there for me, shall we say. Okay, so that's your, your really interesting three. Um, well, yeah, I probably should talk about C.D. Lamb, shouldn't I, before before everyone gets sort of... Oh, yeah, yeah I should probably come back to C.D. Lamb. Sorry, I, 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 I just thought I'd split him off from those two because I think for him the conversation is a bit different. C.D. Lamb is a really weird receiver to watch because he does a lot of nice things, but there's also some things he just doesn't really do at all. So he's really good after the catch. He's really quite good in the air. He's got pretty good deep speed. He gets off the line pretty well. Uh, and like he he can he's definitely a valuable player for an NFL offense. But he did play a lot of sort of what I can describe as playing against a lot of like off coverage and fairly soft zone. And also Oklahoma schemed not just him open, but have schemed receivers open really, really well over the last sort of three or four years. And I, the concern I have is that when you actually, if you want him to be like a number one or number two receiver, if teams just play man coverage against him, I'm just, I'm really not confident that he can consistently separate underneath. And I don't think he's got the speed that you can see him as really like a pure vertical threat. His, I, 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 
it's one of those things where I cannot think of a comparison for C.D. Lamb. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because there are some really good players that it's hard. You know, I couldn't find a comparison for Christian McCaffrey, say, because I haven't seen a player like him. But I, it's really hard to think of how how you're going to get a really huge amount of value out of C.D. Lamb unless he can be a much better route runner against, particularly against man coverage in the NFL than he was in college. And I think uh, if you're looking for sort of a five-minute way to try and understand this, I think I'd go and watch him against LSU, which I think was probably the only time he played. Like this, certainly this last season, like I think he played a really high level of sort of man coverage. And there were some receptions where he created good stuff at the catch point, and there were some where he was schemed open quite well. But when they actually sort of really manned him up, he just wasn't he just wasn't open. Um, and I'm I'm I know people are talking about him as like a, a, a top twenty pick. And I can see how he, you know, he can absolutely put up big numbers in the NFL, but he's in that category of guy that we sort of, as I mentioned earlier, where a lot of his production is going to be fairly reproducible and he is going to add 10% or 20% of the yardage to, you know, he's going to turn eight yard passes into 13 or 14 yard passes. And, and that is absolutely valuable. But if it's like third and seven and the game's on the line, I don't, you know, he's not someone that I'm going to trust to be open. And so there's kind of, you know, if, if if he is your third best receiver, you've got an absolutely ridiculous receiving core. But if he's your best receiver, I'm not sure where you go to when the game's on the line, because I don't think he's ever I, I haven't seen stuff from him that makes me think he can be that guy. And that is getting a little bit into sort of the gamification and, you know, you know what, what his value worth and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's why it's so hard for me to, to value Lamb, because what he does is really good. I'm just not sure how valuable it is. And I think the conversation around him is should be much more about not how good he is at the things he does but how valuable the things he does is. And I think that's a really hard conversation to have. And that's why I'm, I'm still quite uncertain about just how good I think he is. But I, I find it hard to, you know, we talk about all these different categories of guy and it's really hard to think of which one he actually fits in because I don't think he really quite fits into any of them, although he shows bits of different ones. So I, I think he's, there might be an offense that, 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 you know, and maybe he's a, a bit better than I think he is as a route runner. And maybe he, he, he maybe is never going to be the absolute strength of his game, but maybe he's good enough at that that he can be this kind of composite number one receiver. And, and I wouldn't, you know, don't be wrong, I wouldn't bet against him being really productive. I just, I I struggle to see how how he's going to consistently separate against man, uh, you know, certainly high quality of man um, right now as a receiver. And I think that that's my real concern with him. Okay, great. So yeah, that wraps up the sort of specific um groupings i guess um that mm-hmm. you wanted to cover off but there were a few other guys that you wanted to give a, a bit of a, a mention to that are particularly notable for for one reason or another yeah. um so we've got jonathan johnson um lawrence is that cager cager i think it is yeah <laughs> and uh, and chase claypool as yeah. your three that you just want to have a quick word on because they don't quite perhaps fit into some of the other areas yeah jonathan johnson is an interesting one because he's he's probably he's not dissimilar to say like a chris fink in that i think he's probably he's going to be more of like a a slot guy but i think he is a, a more athletic in that regard that i i think he he maybe isn't as polished a route runner as fink is but i think his best case scenario he can be more than just an underneath slot guy i i he his his quickness and his suddenness. He don't think he's sort of a, a straight line burner, but I think he could be a really valuable weapon from the slot. Um, but I think probably needs a bit more development. So I think he's he's a, a higher risk option, but a higher reward option if you're looking for like a, a pure slot receiver. Um, Lawrence Cager is interesting because he is very big and really quite fast for his size. And I think also importantly. You know, we talked a bit about you know, Jake Fromm and a few podcasts ago about what he can offer in offense. Chase Claypool, uh, sorry, uh, Lawrence Cager is a, is a great example of somebody who whose just skill set did not match with what his quarterback was good at. Like they 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 are both good players. They just don't like Chase Claypool. What he's good at isn't really hugely compatible with how Jake Fromm would be best be used. And they kind of both ended up suffering from an offense that tried to do something in between. Um, I think Cager is going to be best as effectively what Kelvin Benjamin was when he was at his best in that he's going to get off the line. He's going to offer something vertically. He's never going to be the most complete route runner or consistently separating, but he's fast enough that he can create some issues vertically and give himself a chance to be a real factor at the catch point. And that's where he's really good. That He's quick enough 
that he's going to put himself in one-on-one situations down the field where the DB isn't just waiting for the ball and he's good enough at the catch point to make the most of those situations. And I don't, again, I think if you're looking for someone who can be a, 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 a fourth receiver who can make some really impactful plays, that, you know, more how Devin Funchess was used as a rookie, that's kind of where I think Lawrence Cager could be a, a valuable piece. Excuse me. Um, the final person I want to talk about is Chase Claypool, who got quite a bit of love after the combine, and some sort of is potentially a, a tight end convert. And I think you know teams will potentially look at that a little bit. I think he's, he's odd because I think he is a. There's lots of things to like. He gets off the, against press quite well. He's he's you know, if he's a tight end, he's really quite quick for a tight end. He's got pretty good hands, and he does actually some flash some nice things as a route runner. But he just he, he plays really for for a, for a bigger receiver. He plays quite small. Like he's not hugely dominant at the catch point and he doesn't really use his size particularly to generate separation um i think he also needs to develop as a route runner if he's going to be sort of you know make his the most of his potential and um, i think I, at the moment i think he runs the risk of getting overdrafted a little bit but i think there are definitely things to like there and if you were looking for sort of like a a developmental bigger receiver i think he's he's one of the more interesting options in that regard in the draft not quite in the dental mims tier but but a not dissimilar option in terms of sort of the size and the 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 potential upside although i think he mims has probably got a higher ceiling although claypool has a higher floor but ultimately as both are so developmental you take the ceiling over the slightly higher floor but i don't think he's a he's sort of a poor man's dental mims in this class if i was going to say that much cool i mean interesting you mentioned uh, mims and and lamb that obviously we, we mentioned earlier who, who you have a little bit lower is there anyone else you wanted to sort of call out that perhaps you're not quite so hot on as, as everyone oh, else. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think sort of after his combine, there are a lot of more doubters now, but Jawan Jennings out of Tennessee, I just don't see it. I, I, I think I've got him as something like I think he's my 40th ranked receiver. And don't be wrong, it's not that he has, does nothing wrong, but I think he ran something like a 4.7540 or something, and he, he looks that slow on tape. I mean, he 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 looks really slow on tape. I don't I don't know how how he's going to be successful in the NFL. I don't mean that he can't be vaguely competent, but that, you know, he he doesn't really add anything in the air, so he's not like just a big possession type guy. He's really not fast. And the issue is, is like, if you're playing as man coverage, he just he's not going to run away from anybody. Like, even if he gets a little bit of separation, it's going to be so momentary because he's just not, he's not able to sustain any kind of distance from a defender. Um, and, you know, he, the, the the only way I could see a player that slow having an impact is if they were sort of Keenan Allen, who, again, did not test well, but actually tested better than Jennings. But Keenan Allen was the best receiver I think I've ever seen at just working off press and getting underneath separation, just just technically outstanding. And, and Jawan Jennings is not that. Like, he's not terrible, and he does create some nice separation at route heads occasionally, but, but you know... It, it, his best case scenario is like a late career Jericho Cotchery. And I don't know how you spend any kind of significant assets on a guy whose best case scenario is that. Um, and I think his worst case scenario is a guy who just catches some nice passes against zone. And he is good after the catch, don't get me wrong. So like he is going to turn seven yard curls into 12 yard routes and stuff. But he, against man coverage, he's not going to create any kind of consistent separation. And I, I just, you know, doesn't do enough other stuff as well to make up for that. And as good as he is after the catch, that's just by far and away the best thing about his game. And everything else is significantly below par. Wow. Well, let's hope the Panthers don't pick him up. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I can, like, you do see him after the catch and you can see that there is some value there. But just everything else is is so so poor compared to that and and he he's i cannot stress this enough he's so slow on tape like it's so clear how how slow he is on tape that his 40 time should not be even slightly surprising i mean were you expecting it to be worse or uh i don't think it was expecting it to be worse i mean if i'm honest and i don't care that much about the combine like i i, I think it's useful and i think there's you should absolutely pay attention to it and it is you can definitely tell a lot from it but like if someone's clearly terrible on tape, I'm not going to take them because they had a nice combine. And if someone's amazing on tape, I'm not going to not take them because they have a measurable that I don't like. So it's really good for guys in between. And I think if he'd had a great combine, then I think you'd have gone like, okay, maybe, maybe I'm not, maybe, maybe, you know, make you think again. And there are definitely guys who will do that, who, who you kind of had in this, like, they're fine, nothing special. And they test really well. And I'm like, okay, maybe there's more that's there to work with than I, than I thought. 
but he's not good on tape and his numbers aren't good and I just I don't see I don't see the appeal other than his yards after the catch. Okay, well let's let's talk about the Panthers then. So yeah. I mean you've mentioned already that because of the depth of the class you may get some real value later on um, yeah. in the draft. Um, we've also mentioned that you're expecting based on you know our, our new offensive coordinator uh, you're know, quite a, a a large wide receiver room. Yeah. So I guess are we thinking the Panthers are going shopping in the draft here for a wide receiver or two? I honestly wouldn't be shocked if they took two or three. Like I, I don't know how much, how high they would take those two or three guys. I like, I, I'd be a little bit surprised if they took someone in the first, uh, and probably still quite surprised if they took someone in the second, unless someone fell that they really liked. Um, but you know, if you're going to play three or four receivers on every single snap, you need to have three or four good receivers. Um, and and at the moment they have two. And not just that, they they don't really have any other receivers at all. Like Brandon Zilster, I think, is the only other receiver under contract. Um, like th- th- they need, I mean, obviously they will probably add to this room in you know free agency as well. So it's not going to have to all happen through the draft. But this is not a team that can afford to have two great receivers and just nothing else behind them. They need four, maybe five pretty good to good receivers. And the easiest way to find that in a class that's this deep is to draft two or three receivers. Um, I think... Who they might be looking at will depend a little bit about how how value like how much they think they're going to use a third receiver or a fourth receiver. Like if they plan to use like go for four wide but use two tight ends or two running backs out of in a four wide formation, then maybe you don't quite feel comfortable taking a receiver in the first or the second. But um, yeah, Jerry Judy would probably be a bit too rich for me. Like I think he's probably is. It would be hard to justify taking him at seven. Maybe if you traded down, you could kind of rationalize it, but. I think that's probably a little bit too rich. Um, I think if you do trade down a reasonable way, or maybe even the second round, I think guys like Riga and Ayuk are going to be really, really intriguing. I think if, if one of them is there in the second round, I think you then have to have a a long conversation about whether whether that's something you a direction you want to go. Um, Brian Edwards is the weird one because projections on him are all over the map. I've seen him go in the second, and I've seen him go in the fifth. So. I really like him. I think if he's if he's there in the second, I, I strongly think about it. If he's there in the third, I think I find it very hard to pass on him, um, even though it's not the biggest need for the Panthers. But but who knows where he's going to go? Because but also because he's out now, I think for two months with a with a foot injury, he's not really going to be training for teams and stuff. So he, he only takes one team to want to take him in the top forty for him to go in the top forty. But but he could also still be there at the beginning of day three based on current projections. So he's. I would very much like Brian Edwards. I think he would be a great fit, not just because I think he's really, really good, but I think he's got an excellent sort of complementary skill set to what Moore and Samuel offer. I think he'd be a great fit with who they have. I just, I've no idea at the moment where you'd actually have to take him and whether I think that's justifiable or not, but he's definitely the name I'd keep an eye on. Um, as you go further down and look more sort of day two, day three type options, particularly sort of day three, I do think uh, Van Jefferson is a name to keep an eye on because I do think he fits really well into into how uh, Joe Brady certainly played at LSU. I think he he obviously the ceiling is not super high, but I think he would offer a really interesting um, sort of fourth receiver, particularly if 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 he's the guy who's just offering that safety blanket every snap. I think he could he could do that role really well, and probably in this draft it's probably going to be a, a day three pick, maybe maybe late day two. I think when you get to the Later in the draft, I think yeah, if someone like Lawrence Cager is there, maybe you're interested. Or you know, I, I think it's hard to know given how you know, essentially this is a really deep class. Someone is going to fall. You just have to keep your board where it is and just see who's there. And when you get to say the fourth or the fifth round, if you've drafted one receiver or no receivers, you just start taking whoever the best receiver is on your board and trust that the value is probably there because of how deep the position is. So whether 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 a Jonathan Johnson is there in the fifth round or whether uh, 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 Antonio Gandy-Gordon is there in the fifth round, I think that's probably unlikely unless he, 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 he sort of teams are really concerned about his developmental potential. Um, but, you know, it, it's just a matter of, who, of who's there once you get after the first three rounds, I think, with the receiver. Um, and it's really hard to predict who will be left. But I think we've talked through pretty much every single one of my top 20. I think we have talked mentioned every single one of my top 20 receivers. So any of those who are there on day three, it's very hard to sort of say no, shall we say. Cool. So it sounds like we should see some wide receivers coming out of the draft then, which is 
always exciting. It's always exciting. Drafting yeah, it's it's it's, it's, so. it's an ex- skill positions are exciting to watch, like particularly as rookies and stuff. Like you can see, you know, even if they're not actually making a big impact, you can you can see them affect the game, and they can they can have an impact as a fourth receiver in a way that a backup left tackle just doesn't. Yeah, so, yeah. and and you get the 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 Panthers uh, Twitter and Instagram with the one handed catch, and everyone loses their oh, yeah. mind. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, I would put money unless he gets hurt on Antonio Gandy Gordon, whichever team he goes for, he's going to make some absolutely ridiculous catches in 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 the preseason. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a great receiver, but if you watch him on tape, there's just some absolutely bonkers receptions in there. Good stuff. Well, one to keep an eye out on then. Um, that about wraps up the wide receiver side of things for us then. Um. Have you decided who we're talking about next time? What position? Um, I think, yeah, next time we're going to talk about the cornerbacks. So the, the antithesis of the, the receiver position, shall we say. Ah, interesting. That'll be a fascinating listen, no doubt. Um, so that's about all from us this week. So uh, if you did enjoy the show, once again, please do comment, review and all that good stuff wherever you get your podcast from. Um, if you do want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Royal Riot UK. Uh, and yourself, Vincent? I am at V Richardson 444. Great. Thank you very much. That's all from us, but do join us next time on the Great British Drafting Show. Goodbye.